Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Sounds so good. It's great to hear you singing, and hello to you outside. I see you out there watching with all your kids. I see you waving. Can we just say good morning on three to so people online, uh, house church, hello house churches, and people outside can hear us. One, two, three. Good morning. All right, great. And I'm glad that you're here live, and if you're online, come on. We need you in 3D. Come on, take the risk and, and join us. Uh, we're in the final week of a seven-week series called Be the Bridge, and we're actually attempting to be equipped with cultural tools to go be the bridge to our city, uh, which is multicultural, multi-ethnic. It's so important. We're looking in the scriptures to have a kingdom language for a cultural conversation that's actually taking place all over the country. So thank you for leaning in. Thank you for the way you've wrestled with this within the church, those of you who have, for sticking in with this book. I know it has stretched us, but there is no growth apart from stretching. And this morning, we've got an active uh, um, metaphor for what we're trying to do. It's a Jenga game. Anyone ever played Jenga out there, right? I've got my two Jenga experts. They're middle schoolers. Um, his Evan and Kevin, would you please give a PCC welcome to them? Come on up, guys. And uh, you all know how to play, so just have at it. If you've never been a part of Jenga, I've never played it, it's a game where you pull out blocks from the foundation and build something greater. And little by little, what you're doing is eroding the foundation in hopes that whoever pulls out the blocks, the whole thing tumbles down because the foundation is destabilized. What we've tried to do for seven weeks is build on the foundation of Jesus and his word. None of you are listening to me, are you? <laughs> See, I said they're, they're, they can multitask. We were message planning downstairs. I'm like, no, this would be great. They can listen to me and watch this. Um, but look at this verse, or listen to this verse while you look at them. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, in Corinth, sometimes I call 1 Corinthians 1 Californians because it is a book for our church uh, and any church in California. So many things were pulling apart the unity they had in Christ. And Paul wrote them and he said, by the grace God has given me, I laid the foundation as a wise builder. He did that through the word of God. And someone else is building on it. There's multiple pastors that come through a church but, and build on this foundation. But each one should build with care. Now look at verse 11. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jenga is a lot like the church. The foundation, when it's solid in Christ, when it's solid on his word, you can build something that soars. But when you take apart block by block your own personal preference, I think it should be this way. I think it should be that way. I think we should love these people. No, I think we should love those people. I think we should vote this way. No, we should vote that way. I think we should wear masks. Master of the devil. If, when you start doing that, you erode the structure and the unity that God wants to build. It's so important as we've gone through this. And when you leave, you're going to leave with a bookmark that summarizes this. And while we've been talking about racial reconciliation, these steps in being the bridge are good for any type of reconciliation. 
And on the back is a QR code that you can just put your phone up to and you'll see what to do next, where to go next, and how we want to help you uh, acquire proximity so you can be the bridge, especially this summer. Let me pray for us and you guys can stop right there. Can we thank our guys? Father, we want to be the bridge. We want to build bridges. We want to, um, through our lives, through our relationships, through this church, we want you to receive glory because of the foundation that we have in you. And in what you're doing, you are building something significant. And we literally have to take our hands off because it's holy. We trust you, Jesus. We pray that you would have incredible time in our lives in these next minutes that we have in your word. Guide us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, this attempt to pull apart at the unity was so strong in the Corinthian church. Uh, and you see it throughout the letter of 1 Corinthians. I'll take you 30 minutes to read if you want to read it this afternoon. But in 1 Corinthians, there was a pastoral pulling apart. Some people said, oh, I follow Apollos. And others said, well, I follow Paul. And others said, no, I'm better than both of you. I follow Jesus. Uh, there was a socioeconomic pulling apart. Some would come to the gathering hungry because they had no food. Others didn't need to go hungry because they had a plenty of food. And it pulled the church apart. Uh, there was a ton of other things that pulled them apart. Their freedom in Christ pulled them apart. Some were very free in Christ. Others were legalistic. And they judged each other. There was actually lawsuits in the church against each other. Uh, there was gross immorality in the church. Was, there were so many factors pulling it apart. And Paul would start by saying, I thank God for you, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And then in verse 10, look at his appeal. He said, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. And by the word, the word, uh, by the way, the word appeal means I continually plead with you. I beg you. It's literally what it means. I wonder, as I was looking at that, what is your appeal for the Peninsula Covenant Church? When you think of going before the Lord in prayer or writing emails to the whole church, what are you begging this church for? What are you continually asking God for when it comes to our church? As we re-emerge from the ashes of COVID and a racial pandemic and a political pandemic, what is it that you're begging God for? This is what Paul begged for. Look at this. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there be, would be no divisions among you. In this incredibly diverse church, and by the way, we've talked about this in this series, there is no church in the New Testament that wasn't incredibly diverse. Every single church in the New Testament from Pentecost, we looked at this, forward was a multi-ethnic church. And with the multi-ethnicity came multiculturalism. And with all those cultures, there would be a clash. The enemy was constantly trying to divide them like he's doing in this day in our country. And he said, let there be no divisions among you. May you be perfectly united in the way you think, in your mind and in your thought. That word division there in the original language, it's the word we get schism from. The Greek word is schisma. Let there be no schisms. Let there be no division. Literally means a ripping or a 
pulling apart. In other words, he's saying, you know what? May you not have to have it your way. You were nervous, weren't you? (laughs) Gigi's got game, I'm just telling you right now. But there be no divisions among you. You don't have to have it your way. There's something greater at work than your way. There's God's way. And God's way is always more satisfying than your way. That's what Paul's appealing to. In our last time together, I want to appeal for the same thing around this series. If Paul wasn't enough, let's look to Jesus. The night before he died, he's praying in the garden, right? We've looked at this prayer before many times, but let's relook at it through this lens. You can always tell what's on someone's heart on their deathbed. And in Jesus' deathbed, if you will, we get the glimpse, a glimpse into the most extended prayer of Jesus in all the Bible. And he prayed for you. He prayed for me. He prayed for us. Look at this. In John chapter 17, verse 20, he said this, I pray also for all those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be what, church? One. He actually uses the same word that God used in the Old Testament when he was telling Moses his name, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Jesus says, you know what? On this planet, people need to see a living, breathing picture of who you're like. And that can't be reflected in any one person because God is infinite. It can't be reflected in a million people because God is so far beyond that. But somehow when the multi-generational, multi-ethnicity, multi-socioeconomic, multi-everything comes together, it is a picture of the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who are three in one, never competing never trying to one-up each other. In perfect unity, three entities. And Jesus says, uh, God, may that be the picture of the church, to be brought together to complete unity. Now look at this then. Then, then the world will know that you sent me and you've loved them even as you love me. The word apologetic is not given an apology. The word apologetic means a defense for an irrefutable defense for our strongest apologetic in Redwood City is not the mind space that we occupy. We, we have plenty of evidence that demands a verdict. The strongest apologetic the city will look for is our unity, our coming together, what we're calling the family table, unifying around the generations for the next generation, and this racial unity. PCC, what happens if we're unified? Then the world will know that God sent Jesus, that God loves every person in our city. That's what happens when we're unified. What if we could be the generation of seven decades at PCC, if we could be the generation that actually puts uh, the then the world will know on superpower, just puts as a priority and actually gains traction in that like never before. The question is, how do we do it? How do we become one? How and what would unify the church? I know most of you are sitting here nodding your heads going, I want that. Of course I want that. Does anyone want to stand up and say, I want to be an agent of disunity in the church? Does anyone want to testify? Out in the lawn, anybody? No, in the camp, no, no, right? How are we going to do it? Really simple, not easy. If it was easy, it'd be done. And by the way, I do believe unity is the bullseye for the enemy's attacks. It's the bullseye in the home. It's the bullseye in neighborhoods. Certainly the bullseye in our country, but it's the bullseye in the church. 
How do we acquire that unity across all the diversity, which is beautiful in the body of Christ? Here's the first. We have one enemy. We unify the fact we have one enemy. And the enemy is not an ideology. It's not a person who voted a certain way. The enemy is a spiritual enemy. Uh, And we know this in the church. I don't know that we give credence to this enough. Paul wrote another letter to a group of individuals in a church called Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. And at the end of his letter, he talked about this enemy. And look what he says in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the culture. Is that what it says? Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand. And the culture was incredibly counter-church. It was Ephesus makes California moral by comparison. But Paul doesn't talk about Ephesus because the enemy wasn't Ephesus. God loved Ephesus and still does, even though it's not called Ephesus anymore. God loves Turkey. God loves Revit City. They're not our enemy. He says there is a spiritual enemy so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And the word scheme there is, uh, it means deceptive methods. It's actually the word we get methods from. And then he says our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against other humans. And then Paul lists in the spiritual realm, and this might, some of you right now are looking at your watch going, is this 2021? Is he really talking about demons in 2021 on the peninsula? There are, just like most of you believe in angelic beings, and you see them all over the Bible, there are evil angelic beings as well. If I could take my glasses off and put a spell on them to have you look into the spiritual realm, you would see right now above us, throughout us, uh, throughout our midst, warring angels. Whenever you hear the word in the scripture, the Lord God Almighty in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, it's literally the God of warring angels. And you would see demonic, evil, angelic beings deceiving you, deceiving us, reprioritizing through their deception what we uh, hold on to and what really matters. Anything that pulls away from the unity in the body, and and the enemy will say, still got it, still will say, "Um, this is more important than that. So you hold on to this. I see it in my marriage. I see it in my family. I see it with my neighbors, in my attitude towards them. I've seen it in my attitude with you and your attitude with me. There are angelic beings that want you to think it's all about you and you deserve it. Paul says, be on your guard against them. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And here they come, rulers, authorities, powers in this dark world, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If we're going to be the bridge, we need to understand that no human being, no cultural ideology is the enemy. No person who votes differently than you, they're not the enemy, even if they're sitting in the same room. Vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, They're not the enemy. And yes, I'm getting up right into your Facebook business. 
The person with different skin color, obviously we've been spending the whole time, that's not the enemy. The people that worship in different expressions of worship, that's not the enemy. People from a different background, people like different style of music, dress differently, express themselves differently, orient themselves differently. They are not the enemy. And when we come around this one truth, we all have an enemy And it's a spiritual enemy. And that's who we're going to fight against. You know what? That will bring the unity that Paul appealed for. We will be an unstoppable force on the peninsula. Paul was clear about this enemy. Again, back to that Californian church. 2 Corinthians, this time. Chapter 4, verse 4. Look what it says. 2 Corinthians 4. Can we go to the next slide? The God of this age. And that is the spiritual forces opposing us. Has blinded the minds of unbelievers, people who don't uh, follow Christ. Uh, it's not that they're stupid. Uh, they aren't loved any less by God. They are blind spiritually. So they cannot see the light of the gospel. Gospel just means good news. that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What will be one of our strongest unifying forces? A common enemy that we all stack hands on. You know, I learned this uh, last two falls ago when I went to the final game in the Oakland Coliseum. I'm part of the Raider Nation. And uh, I went to, I, growing up, my dad had season tickets. And it was beautiful when Daryl LaMonica, when, uh, when it was just a time when you can actually take a kid to a Raider game. Okay. Uh, and now I'm at the final game. I've spent, gosh, almost 50 years in that stadium. Watch, well, no, they let, they traded They were traitors. They went to L.A. for a while. Thank you. Someone do the math. But I spent a lot of time in that stadium, right? And here there's incredible diversity. There was gender diversity in that stadium. It was sold out. It was the very last game, right? There was age diversity. There was language diversity. There was swear language diversity. There was costume diversity. I had the jersey. But then some people had the face paint and were all dressed up. Uh, There was substance of choice diversity. And let me just tell you, secondhand smoke is a real thing, my friends. It was crazy, but there was an incredible unity around one thing. Beat the Jaguars. And we didn't. And then there was diversity uh, around the fact that why we didn't, but there was unity. The Raiders stink. Go to Las Vegas. We don't want you anymore. That could be done. That kind of diversity can gather for a football game. Why can't we do that in the church? Why can't we unify around a common enemy? It is so, he's playing for keeps way more than just going to a division title. We have one enemy, and then we have one mission. That will unite us, one mission. When we lose sight of this, we take, I'm not going to take any more out, I'm afraid to, but we take our blocks out. A mission united us. Before he left the planet, Jesus gathered his followers uh, together and he went up on a hill in Bethany and he said, here's the deal. We're going international with this thing. And I'm going to give you a great commission. It's not a great suggestion. It's a great commission. And here's what it is. Look what he said. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, and remember we talked about this, whenever you read the word nations in the New Testament, it's not political boundaries, it's ethnic boundaries. The word for nations in the Greek New Testament is ethnos, of all the ethnicities. 
Jesus said, I want us to have disciples of every color and every culture around my throne, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. So open book tests, we've done these before, uh, and it's rhetorical. The first service didn't get that, okay? So rhetorical means you don't answer out loud, okay? What's the main verb you think that Jesus said? What is the great commission? What is our main driving verb? In the original language, it's this, make disciples. Jesus took going for granted. I said it this way, and I say this in love for you in this church that identifies a follower of Christ. If you're not going, you're not following. And it doesn't mean that you have to get, you know, buy a ticket to to the farthest ends of the world. We have people that do that and people that have done that from these very pews. It's beautiful. But you go in prayer. You go across the street or you go across the El Camino or you go somewhere and ask God, please let there be apprentices. That's what the word disciple means. Raised up through my life. We just did this baby dedication. These parents, their primary disciples are these children that they dedicated. They are the primary influencer over them. So Jesus said, make disciples. This is not a great suggestion. Do you know how many languages are spoken in Redwood City? 40. 40 different languages are spoken in Redwood City. If we are to be the Peninsula Covenant Church, someone's got to cross a cultural barrier. Someone's got to speak a different language someone's, as they go, has to have that heart to make disciples. And by the way, we have different languages spoken here every day through our school age child care, through our community center, through our preschool. You don't even have to go off this campus to obey the Great Commission. Latasha Morrison in her book, Be the Bridge, said this about this. God didn't draw us through the process of reconciliation for our own sake. He reconciled us so we can bring reconciliation to others in his name, blessed to be a blessing. He loved us so we could love others in his name. Uh, he, 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 uh, He made us bridge builders so we could draw others into bridge building in his name. We all have to be bridge building evangelists at this point. How do I know? Latasha says, because Jesus said it in both the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. From the start, from Pentecost, when the international festival is in Jerusalem, in the book of Acts, when the church was born, the church started as a multi-ethnic church. And throughout, Paul, uh, Peter would say in Acts 10, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Look, look at this. Look at these two words. Every, anyone, every, anyone. How broad do we want to spread the good news as a church just in our city? Doesn't every person deserve to know they're loved by God? Doesn't anyone deserve the opportunity to say yes or no to Jesus? Every, 
anyone? What if PCC was known as a place where anyone from any background could gather together and feel like they're among family? You know, God's word only gives us one example of how the world's going to know followers of Jesus. If you don't open your mouth, Jesus still doesn't give you an out. If you're not the outgoing type or the meet new people type, Jesus says, you're not off the hook. In John chapter 13, he said this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. The question that we've been wrestling with that's been really challenging and has stretched us as a church is, how broad are we willing to go with our one another? Are the one another's just people that look like us, vote like us, hold our ideologies about how life should work? Or are one another's everyone, anyone that God seems to bring across our path? Jesus went on to say, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And that's the vision, my friends. That's the vision of this whole series that that people would say, gosh, those people up on the hill that gather, do you see how they forgive? Do you see the grace they display amongst one another? It's mind-blowing the way they treat each other and care for each other. Those fanatics on the hill, I don't even believe what they believe, but I would love to belong in a community like that because the way they want another, one another so well. They're building something that I want to be a part of. That's the heart of Be the Bridge. Where does unity start? It starts with me. It starts with us. Years ago, I did a wedding, one of my first weddings when I was still a youth pastor here, and I was in the back room and going over my, my notes, and I realized that I had misspelled a key word. You know, there's a part in the wedding where it says, uh, the two will be united and become one flesh. I had it written down, the two will be untied and become one flesh. That's a bad thing to have in a wedding. Because what I realized, and I just, you know, I, I did it today. I look over my notes and write things down. I misplaced the I. And it changed united to untied. Friends, that's what we're trying to get at with Be the Bridge. And as we push back, as you push back, and the internal pushback, just gently want to ask, maybe there's too much I in you. Maybe there's too much I in us. Remember the first sermon when I talked about the mission trip and my youth pastor said, put all your rights, everything you deserve in your hands and let it go. The only way we're going to be the bridge is let go of the I. We follow a man who completely disrobed himself of every right he had because he was God who became a man. And he was the most fully alive, most joy-filled, most satisfied person that ever walked this planet. And he promised, if you'll do life my way, with me at your core, you too can live a life that is fulfilled and joy-filled. Because I won't be with you, I'll be inside you. How are we going to have unity and be the bridge? We have a common enemy. We have a common mission that everyone deserves to hear and see 
this good news person named Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for all that you did for us through Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe uh, you didn't realize this. I didn't until I studied this. But Jenga actually came from a Kenyan missionary originally. And in Swahili, the word Jenga means to build. You and I have a choice, my friends. To build on the foundation and join Jesus in creating something supernatural or to build a puny life centered around ourselves. One will endure and be the most satisfying, incredible life you've ever lived. It'll be adventuresome and scary and fearful. And yeah, you're going to get scars because you're doing battle with an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The other one, building on your own life, is actually deceptive and will leave you empty. I need to a choice today. What will it be? You choose to build on Jesus with community? Are you still fixated on the eye? Lord, I just sense you're calling us back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you. Sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. Because it's all about you. I pray, Lord, that you would stir in this body to build something enduring that focuses on others, that loves one another. It is all in for you, Jesus, not our resources, our time, our style of worship. It's all about you. Love you, and I pray for middle schoolers in here, kids in here, high schoolers in here, college students in here, 60-year-olds in here, 80-year-olds in here, that it would just be all about you. And we speak to the darkness because he can't read our minds. The greater are you that's in us than him. That through your death, Jesus, you defeated once for all all rulers and authorities and anything that sets it up against the knowledge of God. Thank you for the victory that's ours through Christ. May we be the bridge, Lord. Build a bridge. May there be unity. May we come into this cultural conversation with kingdom language and hold out something greater that woos people with jealousy because you're way more enduring and you're way more satisfying. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.